Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are. That's Bill Sutton's back. I feel like holidays are over. Everybody's sick. (laughs) (laughs) What fun. Welcome to 2023, all. Um, So yeah, we're back and we're we're just going to do a little update today on some new recent news that we have. But first of all, that's Bill Sutton at the top of the top of the podcast. Hi, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also with us is Joe Shaw, recovering from a recent illness, who looks pretty chipper today. Eh, you know, gotta, <laughs> gotta keep gotta keep pushing. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. I'm Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us is another recent survivor of an illness, and that's Steve Coates. Um, uh, hi, Steve. How are you feeling? I'm all right. Are you all right? You seem a little subdued. You don't seem your normal self today. No. <laughs> And that's all we're going to say about that. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to do a quick update on the Bay Street Theater situation. And Steve, I'll let you probably dive into all this. But Bay Street Theater has, since its existence, has been renting space on Long Wharf in Sac Harbor. And every time that the lease agreement comes up, there's questions of whether or not they're going to be able to stay there. So looking for a permanent home. Uh, a couple years ago, a group called the Friends of Bay Street Theater purchased what had been the 7-Eleven complex in Sag Harbor with eyes to design a brand new theater space for Bay Street Theater. A lot of people freaked out because it was pretty um, substantial. And then some other things have happened in the meantime that I guess just made it not a project that they wanted to go through with. So why don't you jump in here, Steve, and bring us up to date on what's going on with the property. They bought the building in October 2020 for, I think the price was 13.1 million, maybe it was 13.2 um, and as you said, they, they immediately uh, started to, to design a theater and they, they, um, presented, they presented conceptual drawings in April of 2021 and they were met with pretty much, a uh, you know, a thud of disapproval. Um, it was kind of surprising people really didn't like it. They said it was too big primarily and overwhelming. So they went back to the drawing board. And in the meantime, the village had been working on updating the zoning code, which was unrelated to Bay Street's plans, but it was it was related to the fact that that building had been on the market. And you know, they were the village was concerned about what the future held for the waterfront, basically from the Bialski condos all the way over to the yacht yard. Yeah. So all the waterfront, they were looking to zone differently, right? Yeah. And so they ended up adopting this, what they call the waterfront overlay district, which limits the heights of buildings to like two stories. And they want, um, and I'm fighting myself from saying they want they want view sheds between buildings. 
<laughs> in other words, they want space so you can see the water. They were you know, trying to control massing and stuff like that. So this was this whole zoning thing was was adopted after Bay Street did their initial drawing. So they had to go back to the drawing board to deal with that. And then it's just been kind of a slow deflating balloon, you know. Right. We, I think what was interesting is after that initial big splash with that that plan, it went silent. Like yeah. you didn't hear anything more. So I guess that part of it was they were biding their time and waiting to see what the village would put forth in terms of restrictions in that area. But um, but I also wonder if they were maybe just re reconsidering what they thought the public reception was going to be, which I think they expected it to be very positive, but it was not positive. So I feel like they got a little gun shy about sharing anything that was going on. You know, I, I think they learned that the more they talked, the more trouble they got into. Yeah, I think so. So they're putting the property back on the market. Do we know the price that, that they're asking for this now? Um, I, I spoke to Hal Zwick, who's the, the broker representing them, and he said that they were going to uh, announce the asking price soon. Okay. So it was not. It won't be less than what they bought it for, though, I'm thinking. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. They don't usually go that direction. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I wanted to clarify, too, that, that Bay Street never submitted an actual plan for that property, right? No, they no, they never no, they never applied for a you know a site plan or whatever. But if they had, if they had put in any sorts of even like initial plans, would they have gotten in under any sort of rezoning in that area? No, because there was a moratorium in place, so they couldn't have. Oh, um, so even before, uh, even but was there a moratorium even like on, on, when they unveiled that very first drawing? Yeah, yeah, the there moratorium was. was still yeah. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Interesting. Um, so the so the of course the assumption is that with the change in the zoning code along the waterfront, they don't envision being able to do what they initially had hoped to do on that parcel. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Correct. That's interesting. That's kind of an important parcel too, right? It's right, right, in connection with the waterfront park there, and the, yeah, the one of the things that I think Bay Street had said about their proposal was that that their theater was going to sort of connect with the waterfront park space. Right. So it's, it's right there. Yep. The village's front porch. So how does this complicate that other purchase of the Fort Apache parcel? To Main Street? Okay. Pasa. Yeah. That's a good, and that's a good question. Um, that that's not part of this. Was that bought by Friends of Bay Street too, or was that? No, that was bought by a separate, for-profit LLC. Right. <clears throat> you know, and um, and and they immediately when they bought that, they immediately um, offered it to the town CPF. And the reason, you know, I mean, I think the pretty obvious reason was is that they were trying to sweeten the deal for the village, you know, to to get the village to to say, hey, okay, we'll allow you, you know, to have a forty foot high building as long as we get this building, the, the the two main street building, so that we can tear that down and open it up into the park. Right. And again, so that that building is not part of it. Um, you know, it's the last I hear. Um, they're still 
the negotiations are open, although I what I little I've heard is that they, there's not a lot of movement. I know the town made an offer like a year ago and it was rejected. Um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't walk away from the table. Mm. So and that's been a huge vision of of Mayor Jim LaRocca, right? Is is to is to add on to the park there and you know with that property. Right. And prior to Bay Street buying the um what's called it, it's called the the Water Street Shops building, although it's actually on <laughs> Island Avenue. But um Prior to Bay Street buying that, uh, LaRocca had been trying to arrange a deal where uh, the, the previous owners would sell that building to the town so that they could expand uh, the park. And I know that um, you know, Jim has told me that they that the town had gone so far as to you know order appraisals. I don't know how far they got. I don't think they got that oh. far. Interesting. So now, I mean, yeah, what happens now? It's like, does the town's interest in that Capasa building go away? Or I don't know. What do we think? Or does it transfer over to the Long Island Avenue, right? Yeah. The town might have an interest in that, right? They might be able, they might have an interest in preserving that as part of the park. If they could, if they could come to an agreement on a price, but. Or maybe it'll be the, the site might. of their new affordable housing development. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is all, it's all sort of interconnected, right? So, well, that, and I, I do believe, I do believe it's going to be hard to do the affordable housing there because of um, the limitations. I, I think the limitations. Zone. Yeah. But it's all kind of, it's all kind of interconnected, right? I mean, we're reading tea leaves. It's also complicated because then you have the gas ball lot, which was the park yeah. lot that doesn't, that seems to be a little bit uncertain who's getting the control of that right and then and then you have that um the scavoni property where they want to rebuild uh, their building that was torn down because of the gas ball remediation and there's debate about what they're ever going to be allowed because they're being sued by the guys across the street right and then you have the all of the property that um adam potter has bought privately and proposed they big affordable housing development there, which seems to have gone away as well. That's at least, at least in, in you know, at, at, at a pause. Pause. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I'm, it's like, I feel like I'm in an escape room here and I don't know what like code to punch in to get to the next level. Is this? It's reading tea leaves about how it's, I mean, might it all be interconnected, Steve, that the, the funding sources for the, for Potter's project went away and now they've lost interest in this development as well. I mean, I, they're different entities, so that may have nothing to do with it, right? Um, I don't really know the answer to that. Yeah, that's the problem. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books collections, libraries, individual titles, very easy process. 
They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. Well, I think one of the problems is we don't we don't really know who's behind a lot of these entities either. You know, right? They have names, but we don't have faces or um, personalities connected to it. So I think that's the and I think that's what's confounding a lot of people who are following this in the news is that nobody really knows who is involved in what and how the whole puzzle fits together. Well, I mean, I think the basic puzzle is friends of Bay Street own, you know, to the Water Street. Uh, shops building mm-hmm. a separate for-profit llc owns two main street okay and then across the street you know next to the post office of course is the scavoni building which is owned by this you know by by this by davis scavoni and then there is the gas ball parking lot which is owned by national grid which is currently leased to one of adam potter's llc's 11 bridge street and then there are all those buildings in that that kind of no man's land south of of Long Island Avenue, east of Bridge Street and north of Rose Street, most of which are owned by individual LLCs um, that are controlled by Adam Potter. Um, and and I, I can't speak for certain and I don't want to speculate, but it's my understanding that they are separate from Friends of Bay Street. Yeah, and the question is like, if Friends of Bay Street goes away with that parcel, how does that change how that property is envisioned to be developed? If developed, I mean, so Steve, so the 7-Eleven was forced out, right? And and we we knew that. Did the other businesses remain there or did other businesses leave that building too? I know there was discussion of them leaving, but. Well, yeah, that, that was the, you know, the original plan was to yeah. buy buy buildings down on that south south of, of Long Island Avenue to provide landing spaces for these various businesses. And uh, one salon, I forget the name of it now. It's uh, Sean Edison, because, yeah, he, he moved down there. Moved over there. Mm-hmm. A couple, yeah, a couple of the, a couple of them did move into those spaces. But again, if this is you know, if the the idea is certainly not to leave that area as it is either. So those people would probably been forced out again, or, you know, maybe they were going to get space in the affordable housing complex retail shops that were going to be built. But of course that has gone away too, because of um, a lot of, oh boy, but this is another podcast. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't gone away yet because it's still active. It's just, it is. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's still, there's still a, a, a an application it's just not moving right now. And it's it, the ball's in their court. Um, they have to provide, they have to pro- provide a, um, and, I'm, and I'm not going to get into a SECRA discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. What does SECRA stand for, Steve? <laughs> and, how, and how does the view shed connect to that SECRA? <laughs> Yeah, but it, there's also there's also a lawsuit against the the uh, the way that the building. There's a lawsuit against the village, right? Okay. Not against the application, that. but against the village for the way they adopted the law, which is allowing affordable housing. <laughs> so it's just a mess. And also, there's a lawsuit against the David Scavoni property that he wants to rebuild by the owners. I think it's at the condos across the street. Well, suing him, or um, they're suing the way that the village gave. No, they've actually, they've actually sued the village. 
over how the building permit was issued. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a lot of people not making friends in Sag Harbor right now. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Or money. You know, the, the other aspect of this that, I, that I'm sort of intrigued by is that, so Bay Street in announcing that the friends have put this property up for sale, noted that they have a new lease at Long Wharf that's going to go through, I believe it's 2027. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. So Bay Street said a lot about the need to find a permanent home and also the need to have more space and, and to, to have a more expansive to, to suddenly now just reverse course and say, nope, we're fine where we are for not just another few years, but, but, you know, for the foreseeable future, they've pretty much abandoned this plan to build on that site. Um, that's a pretty abrupt turn. It's a little curious, isn't it? I mean, Bay street has done this in the past, I think it was 2012 when their lease was up last and there was a lot of conversation about whether they might move to Southampton village. I know mayor, the mayor at the time, Mark Epley was talking with them about possibly moving into the village. And there was talk about, they might move to Bridgehampton. Remember? Yeah. To Bridgehampton behind the, um, the Agway, wasn't the, it? The Agway uh -huh. building yeah. was a spot, right? They haven't said that they plan to stay on Long Wharf forever, though. I mean, they could come out tomorrow with a new plan to to buy a different property somewhere right. else and and build somewhere else. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a fake complete that 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 they're just going to stay at Long Wharf. And it, you know, and I think the, we we did the, we talked about it on the radio show recently. And you know, the point came up that um, that if they were going to build something somewhere else it would still take several years so the so the it, it makes sense to have a lease extension at at long work yeah, you know for a few years yeah i don't i i i for the life of me i i don't see the announced you know extension of the lease i mean they did announce they had extended it a while back and i don't know if we ever got the date but they did announce that they had you know they were sitting tight that they weren't in a rush to leave but i do i just don't see that as a um as a long-term viable option, you know, but, but that's just, again, that's speculation on my part. I have no idea what, uh, you know, what Pat Malloy wants to do with his property and, you know, and, uh, I mean, unless they're in quite, you know, there are maybe some behind the scenes negotiations, maybe they're looking at a buyout where they're going to, where Bay Street's going to be able to actually finally own their space for not a huge amount of money and that we don't know about this or, you know, like that they they feel secure in saying that they're staying there just because maybe they know something further down the road. However, they're going to be limited in what they can do there. It's not like they can, they can't get bigger. Right. It's small. Which they had said was going to be fairly important for the future of, of the theater that they needed to get bigger. So it's all very, it gets curiouser and curiouser, doesn't it? I think the other thing that's very curious is the fact that we never really knew who was behind the friends of the Bay street purchase. We know we know it, it's Stephen Ross is behind it. Stephen Ross is the guy holding the the note. And who is Stephen Ross? Stephen Ross is is the the CEO of the related companies, like the developer of Hudson Yard and the and the city and big a big developer and owner of the Miami Dolphins. So the, one of the things that's just been sort of lurking in the background all this time is this idea that big city interests 
have their eyes on Sag Harbor. Does that seem plausible still, or does this seem to does this seem to suggest it may be waning? That the moment has passed, or we scared them off? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, no, it's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Sag Harbor is like is like is turned into like Monte Carlo. Yes, exactly. It's like the only place really on the East End where you could kind of keep your your yacht in your backyard and on a historic main street. You know, I mean, you look at it, I mean, uh, uh, I can't think of their names right now, but the, um, oh, is it Douglas Elliman, the, the big real estate, the, the, the CEO is, owns the yacht yard. Orber is his name. Um, right. right. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, yep. uh, Jack Morris, who's a major developer in, in, in New Jersey, has purchased a little house on Rysom Street, which is supposedly from what i hear is like kind of a place for his yacht captain to stay um so the question is too like with malloy um pat malloy who owns all of that long wharf property and the marina there wonder if he's gonna you know be considering to sell soon and which one of these individuals may be ready to or another one that would be a, a real you know we have that heath freeman um guy who's buying up all the marinas around the east end so I could see that being a uh, yeah, I mean, a the action he would want, but I don't know. I don't play with these guys, so I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm, I don't hang out with them myself. But I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, it's kind of you know to look at it wide eyed and, and be surprised is just you know is just kind of naive. So don't be naive, Joe. It's change is coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, this is a new wrinkle in the whole thing, but uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting in a couple of years to look back on on all this and see how it turns out. Because, I mean, there, there's a lot in play, I mean, right now. Yeah, but they also do, I mean, I think what the, a lot of them are realizing is they have a lot of hurdles to do what they want. I think they that maybe there was this thought that they could come in and kind of reinvent the village in their vision, in thinking that, it's sort of a, you know, it's a, it's a community out on the East end of Long Island, you know, it's going to be easy to just get what we want there. And they've come up against some uh, really people who are dug in in a way they may not have envisioned happening. Steve is Steve. Is that possible? Like my money, you know, is on the money. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, money, money always wins. Hi, this is Michael Wright. I'm a reporter for the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork wind farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27East.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much. From where you were viewing it, Steve, is it possible that they they came in and thought that by unveiling this, the sketches that they had that showed this sort of really, you know, a, a very ambitious project right on the waterfront there, that that they might just blow everybody away and everybody would embrace it and they'd roll out a red carpet to get this done? Is that possible? Oh, I like, yeah, I, I, I would think that was definitely, I mean, I think they were really proud of what they had. 
Yeah, they were gonna they were gonna like win over the public and then get everything else through that they wanted, maybe. And when they got a Bronx, and instead they got a Bronx, Bronx cheer. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and, and it didn't. It, and it, you know, and you know, and it didn't happen. It didn't help. You know, when when Adam Potter stood up in front of a, a of a room full of people, you know, and he said, you know, you know, take out your notebooks. You know, we're buying no more property. Da 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 da. You know, uh, and and then literally. In the next breath, he mentioned that he had purchased other property, you know, so people, I mean, Adam Potter is not friends of Bay Street, you know, and, you know, he's not Steve Ross. And um, I'd say they definitely didn't understand their audience. It's my yeah, they, they, they did not, they did not read the room properly. Oh, and that's, I mean, that's the other thing, like, you know, if you've spent any time in Sag Harbor, you're just like, there's the suspicions immediately get up because it just seems like every, a lot of the things that have been done in this relationship to this project have been like well there's no way they can understand sac harbor if they thought they were going to be able to come in and just do x or y or z or say this or that i don't know one of the things that i i think one of the things you have to remember too about people who have lots of money is that they also have long time frames so yeah you know 10 20 30 years may not matter you know i mean it's like you know someone talked about well if the the, the water street shops building is offered back to the town of to the CPF, how much would it cost? Well, the only way to, to appraise that is to look at comparable values. <laughs> and um, guess what? When you when you know you buy up neighboring property, the you know, the appraised value goes up with it. I mean, so I mean that little two main street went for what 18 million? Something like was that was the rumor, yeah. About four hundred square feet of space or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So suddenly, you know, it's not in lockstep, but I think that they're, you know, values are up, you know, because different entities have purchased them. Right. So it's changed everything, hasn't it? And then the bank building on um, across the street on East Main Street was actually a I guess an exchange. I don't know if that is praised differently, but was Something like seventeen million. I mean, so pretty soon we're going to be talking about some real money here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, in my neighborhood, the house behind me, which was a, a dump and it was gutted and tripled in size, um, is in contract for two point seven million dollars. You're a millionaire, Steve. I don't know if you know it. Um, yeah, great. <laughs> you won't have to work anymore soon. You can rent a room. <laughs> you have arrived. Well, and and there's a a block or two away from where I live, I, where I walk my dog, there was a, a house that sold for about $1.7 million. It was a three bedroom family house. The The husband died, the wife sold and moved up island and got a cheaper house and her two children moved away. And that house is now, you know, framed out. And I saw the, you know, the plans for it. And it's like, it's going to be on the market for $7 million. Oh, now this was in a neighborhood where I used to where I used to walk my dogs and, you know, take my kids, taught my kids how to ride their bicycles and stuff and used to dream about being able to buy one of these houses that were selling for $300,000. Know? You might be able to be yeah. in the room with some of these people we're talking about now. Yeah. You're a player now. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll have a lot more to say about this story in the next year. It's a microcosm of what's happening all over. It's going to continue.
27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.